The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book the Bible as the authoritative Word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. Uh, heading into the weekend here, and by the way, I apologize, I was clearing my throat here. I uh, <clears> had <throat> a little something going on there and uh, knocked it out for the most part of the first part of the week. And so I'm, I've been, my wife got me some of this detox tea, which I love. Um, it's, it's really good for you. But anyway, uh, I'm knocking that out. And uh, I'm going to have something coming up probably today. I want you guys to see it. I don't have COVID. The COVID people are not falling in on me. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> let me just give you this and then I'll give you the formalities. I, actually, let me give you the formalities. I'll do that as we lead into the subject this morning. If you want to check us out online, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com or sonsoflibertymedia.com. If you head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and you're listening by Red State Talk Radio, you can scroll down right there on the right side of the page. And we are streaming live right under Bradley's video from yesterday. Uh, you can catch him at 3 p.m. Eastern Time today. And you can watch the video portion of the radio show. You can watch the face this made for radio right here. And uh, also, while you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list. Okay, we don't rent your email out. We don't sell it. We don't spam you. You get one email a day. It gives my articles, Bradley's articles, and the contributors we have at Sons of Liberty. You get that every day, a little after 7 p.m. Eastern Time in the evening. And uh, that's a way you can support us and share the articles. The other ways you can support us, and we do have needs, so we let you know that we have needs. If you have ability to meet it and you'd like to do so, we appreciate that very much. There's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click that and you make a donation. You can also do that over here by becoming a partner with us, a son or daughter of liberty. That's at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com as well. And then also our store is available. We have t-shirts and hats and all kinds of stuff in there. And uh, they're good conversation starters, and you support the Sons of Liberty when you purchase those products as well, and we appreciate that. And if you're on other social media platforms, Twitter, we're still going there via Periscope. At Bradley Dean One, Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, Facebook at Bradley Dean SOL, our YouTube channel is Bradley Dean. Before it's news.com, we're right there on the front page. 
uh, of uh, beforeitsnews.com. DLive.tv, still streaming there at The Sons of Liberty and at Cutting Edge TV on Roku. And the morning show <clears throat> is also available on Vimeo now. I don't know how long that's going to last because uh, I seem to be the one that gets targeted for I don't know what the deal is, but uh, <laughs> mine's, I'm, I guess I'm the troublemaker when it comes to that kind of thing. Somebody wants to follow me around and report me or whatever. Anyway, for however long it's on, you can find uh, the morning show on Vimeo at Tim Brown Sons of Liberty um, if you want to do that. Otherwise, that's streaming through on sonsoflibertymedia.com. Okay? All right. Real quickly, yes, I didn't have... Uh, I'm not even going to say I had COVID. Hey, look, every, about twice a year, uh, I usually have allergy flare-ups. And because of long days that I pull and everything too, I tend to wear myself down until I just can't do anything anymore. And usually I end up spending most of it one day, almost the whole day in bed. I get up or I'll work out of the bed or whatever. That's just what I do. So Monday, after we got back from the mountains, uh, did the radio show, felt good working. And then about 1030 in the morning, I stood up out of my chair and it was almost like I didn't have any, I felt like I was lightheaded. Then I immediately felt like somebody had pumped my head up uh, and felt very weak, you know, like you do when you're about to feel sick. You know, you kind of get a chill and stuff. So I go put socks on, I put the house coat on and I immediately go in there. Now, this is not medical advice. I'm just telling you what I did. I went in there and got my chlorine dioxide that I tell you guys about. I dropped six drops of each of the bottles in the water, drank it, finished out my day, went to bed early, got up the next day, felt a ton better, um, still wasn't quite total, and did that twice more the next day. And the next day, I felt fine. Now, I've got a little something going on in my throat. It's not sore uh, or anything like that. But, yeah, I've had those things. I mean, they come and go. <laughs> it's happened all my life. This is not a COVID incident. And, uh, you know, I took care of it without going to the doctor. I mean, that's me. I'm not telling you how to do things, but I'm just telling you what I do. And um, and, and I think the best thing for us is always to be looking out for our immune system in the first place. And I got to tell you, when we went to the mountains, I ate a bunch of that junk food, you know, snacks. It's like a four-hour trip up there. And uh, Anyway... Uh, So I probably did some of that to myself. I'm just going to confess that, okay? All right, with that out of the way, (laughs) with that out of the way, uh, there is a very serious issue that's going on. And a friend of mine, we've had him on the show before, David Rizzolata, and he writes at sonsoflibertymedia.com. He also has his website, defenseofournation.com. And David sent me over, I think it was on Sunday. I don't know, it wasn't Sunday. It was uh, several nights ago, maybe Tuesday, I'm not sure. He sent me over a um, report, if you will. This report comes by way of an Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge. Now, they have a website, and it's called ipaknowledge.org. ipaknowledge.org. And it's IPAC for short. And there's some interesting... Uh, reports and studies that they have on here. And it's, well, we're going to talk about that, South Coastal. (laughs) He said, I bet you test positive with those faulty tests. Yes, we're going to talk about that because that is part of what IPAC says uh, is criminal by the Center for Disease Control. 
And you'll notice that IPAC here is a domestic not-for-profit organization in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And they are in phase two of their application process for 5013 status. Oh, good luck with that when you're calling out the CDC for possible violations of federal law. But that, that, that's what we need is people who, who will come here and do this kind of thing. All right, so now with that said, why is this important? Because this report came out in October of last year. So that's what? We're four months down the road from that. Okay? Why is that important? It's important because of what we talked about yesterday. This same criminal CDC, they're a propaganda arm they're of the federal government, of the executive branch, that's unconstitutional. We talked about that yesterday. There's nothing in the Constitution that provides for any of this kind of stuff uh, labeled as the Center for Disease Control. And now they are requiring you to wear a face mask. And as I told you yesterday, if you listen to Bradley, um, he was told at the airport he could be criminally charged for not wearing a face mask, even though there's no law written that says so. These people just say, oh, well, we can do it according to the statute. And I walked you through the statutes of what they actually said. They're in violation of clearly what the Bible says. We read Leviticus 13 yesterday. We looked at the statute. We looked at the Constitution. There's really no authority for these people to even exist, let alone be making rules that criminalize people for not wearing a face diaper. That's why this is important. Now, I'm going to take time to go through a couple of these things here because their report is really easy to understand, but there's a lot to it. There's 25 pages, so I'm going to read several of these, and we'll make some comments on it. And um, and David told me if he's got time, he's going to con- he's going to call in and chime in on this too. So we may hear from David uh, later this morning. But let's get started here. Here's the report. Again, this is from the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge Public Health Policy Initiative, and the title of the report is COVID nineteen data collection, comorbidity, comor- comorbidity, excuse me, and federal law a historical retrospective. Everybody says, well, why do you keep looking back? You know, I had somebody the other day, let me just address this. Uh, when we would speak about things in the Trump administration, they said, why, why are you playing Monday morning quarterback? Why, why are you playing Monday morning quarterback? And I'm like, lady, we're not playing Monday morning quarterback. We were telling you the things that we're telling you now years ago. You guys know it. We were writing it on the website. We were putting it out on the radio. It's not Monday morning quarterback, and when you're doing it right as they're, when you're saying it as they're doing it. So this is not Monday morning quarterbacking either. We've been documenting how this is a, a big fraud in how they're portraying things. We're not saying people don't get sick. People do get sick. But even when you look to their own website, and when the if I have to go over a little bit, I'll show you the, their own website, too. They have just lumped a whole bunch of stuff in for for even the deaths. They're, they're still misrepresenting the numbers there. So anyway, in this report here, here's what it says. Here's the abstract of the report. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, on August 23, 2020, Quote, for 6% of the deaths, COVID was the only cause mentioned. 
for deaths with conditions or causes in addition to COVID-19. On average, there were 2.6 additional conditions or causes per death, end quote. For a nation tormented by restrictive public health policies mandated by health in healthy individuals and small businesses, this is the most important statistical revelation of this crisis. It's a manufactured crisis, by the way. Okay? Um, <clears throat> the revelation significantly impacts the published fatalities count due to COVID-19. More importantly, it exposes major problems with the process by which the CDC was able to generate inaccurate data during a crisis. The CDC has advocated for social isolation, social distancing, and personal protective equipment use as primary mitigation strategies in response to the COVID-19 crisis, while simultaneously refusing to acknowledge the promise of inexpensive pharmaceutical and natural treatments. Get that? They would never recommend chlorine dioxide, I'm sure. They would, they're obviously having problems with this hydroxychloroquine. Look, hydroxychloroquine is pretty cheap. It's been around for a while. Seems effective for several things. Uh, does have some side effects. There are some side effects. They're, they're acknowledged, especially concerning some organ issues. But don't want to put that out there. So they deny that. These mitigation strategies were promoted largely in response to projection model fatality forecasts that have proven to be substantially inaccurate. Hello, John Hopkins. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this. Let me put this in before I finish the, 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 the um, abstract here. We put out a report when this whole thing began. I don't even remember when it was. December of 2019 or January 2020. I don't know. I don't remember when it was. <clears throat> and it was citing the John Hopkins, you know, the, the big, I don't know what you want to call it, the kill map. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. The COVID kill map that, that John Hopkins came up with. And it was projecting 15 million people were going to die. Now, that was their, what their model said. So, one of our contributors had put, had did a story on it. it. Says they were projecting 15 million. Then all the fake fact checkers came out, and they did a story saying it was fake news, and that John Hopkins had issued a statement saying they had never predicted. They used the word predicted 15 million dying. And the technicality was they didn't predict it. They didn't say they predicted it. What, what the issue was, was they formulated a model, put it out there, that said there were going to be 15 million. But they never said we predicted it. Now, you put the model out there, it's the same thing. You can sit here and hide behind, you know, things like what Jesus condemned the Pharisees over in Matthew 23. Well, when you take an oath on the temple and it doesn't come to pass, you go, well, I didn't swear by the gold of the temple. <laughs> you know, come on, man. Everybody knows what you're saying. Everybody knows what you're doing. So they put that out there, and then they called it fake news. All right, this is, <clears throat> this is the rest of the abstract here. These mitigation strategies were promoted largely in response to projection model fatality forecasts that are proven to be substantially inaccurate. Again, John Hopkins. 
Further investigation into the legality of the methods used to create these strategies raised additional concerns and questions. Why would the CDC decide against using a system of data collection and reporting they authored and which has been in use nationwide for 17 years without incident in favor of an untested and unproven system exclusively for COVID-19 without discussion and peer review? Did the CDC's decision to abandon a known and proven effective system also breach several federal laws that ensure data accuracy and integrity? Did the CDC knowingly alter rules for reporting cause of death in the presence of comorbidity exclusively for COVID-19? And if so, why? Now, this is the abstract. This is the abstract for this particular report from IPAT, okay? Now, they give us uh, an introduction, and they provide also, and I think the introduction is important because they're going to be using some terms here, and I want to make sure that when I use the anacronyms uh, that you know what they are. <clears throat> it, the, the report itself is not that long. It's only about 25 pages on a PDF. Okay, and this will be up at sonsoflibertymedia.com. If you haven't looked at it, it will be up there in the archive. If you've signed up for the email, you'll get that tonight. That'll be in there. It'll be the first or second article uh, that's in the email. Here's what they start out the introduction and what they're going to point to as far as violations for um, the CDC concerning this. And this is important. Again, this is important because this is a federal agency that is not authorized in the Constitution to either exist or to tell you you got to wear a face diaper before you get on a plane or a train or a taxi or a bus or whatever. Okay? All federal agencies, including the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, are lawfully required to comply with the Paperwork Reduction Act, that's the PRA, just keep that in mind, the Paperwork Reduction Act, the PRA, and the Information Information Quality Act, the IQA. Data being collected, analyzed, and published by any federal agency is required to meet the highest standards of accuracy. <laughs> this is what government is requiring. They never get it, but uh, there you go. Quality, object, objectivity, utility, and integrity as defined by the PRA, IQA, as well as additional guidelines issued by the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB. The big, the big ones to keep in mind here as we go through this are the PRA, the Paper Reduction Act, and the Information Quality Act, the IQA. Okay, So just keep those in your mind. If you're sitting somewhere and you've got a piece of paper, just write those down so you'll remember what they are. Okay? The CDC published guidelines on March the 24th, 2020, that substantially altered how cause of death is recorded exclusively for COVID-19. This change was enacted apparently without public opportunity for comment or peer review, and as a result, a capricious alteration to data collection has compromised the accuracy, quality, objectivity, utility, and integrity of their published data, leading to a significant a significant, and I'll show you in a minute how significant, 
increase in COVID-19 fatalities. This decision by the CDC may have subverted the legal oversight of the OMB as congressionally authorized by the PRA and the IQA as well. Now, David's on the line, and what I want to do is before I bring David on, I want to show you one video. And I've played it before. I played it when we had Dr. Scott Jensen on because uh, he was being coached into how to do death certificates for COVID. And he wouldn't do it, and he blew the whistle on it. And he's a senator up there in Minnesota. All right. Now, this video is of Dr. Deborah Burks. Sounds like a valley girl when she starts talking here. Uh, but she's going to tell you what they were doing. And this was under Donald Trump. They were marching out the coronavirus task force all the time. Listen to this because it falls right in line with what this report is talking about. By their, by testing standards for how they're characterized. So I think in this country we've taken a very liberal approach to mortality. And I think the reporting here has been pretty straightforward over the last five to six weeks. Prior to that, when there wasn't testing in January and February. That's a very different situation um, and unknown. There are other countries that if you had a pre-existing condition, and let's say the virus caused you to go to the ICU and then have a heart or kidney problem, some countries are recording that as a heart issue or a kidney issue and not a COVID-19 death. Um, right now, we're still recording it, and we'll I mean, the great thing about having forms that come in and a form that has the ability to market as COVID-19 infection, the intent is right now that those, if someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. Are you, can you be sure? I mean, you hear from coroners that that's not necessarily the case. Are, are you sure? How can you be confident about that? And is there any concern that it skews? the data that you're trying to collect in terms of projections and, and things like that? Well, I think that would apply more to rural areas that may not have the same level of testing, but I, I, I am pretty confident in New York City yeah. and New Jersey. Okay, and you get the idea. What they were, they were sitting there telling you. They were telling the American people right there to their face. We're just including people, you know, if they, if, if they test positive for COVID, doesn't matter if they die, we're putting it on the death strip. We're just lumping it all in. They're telling you right there they're being fraudulent, okay? Right there in front of everybody, all right? Now, with that said, I'm going to bring David on, and uh, he's taking time to call in this morning. Good morning, David. Hey, Tim, how you doing? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine, man. I was just leading in. Uh, I was letting people know that you had passed on this report to me. We uh, began to look at it. We started through the abstract, and then we set up for were um, the, the particular things that they're saying that the CDC did not follow, the Paperwork Reduction Act and also the Information Quality Act, as well as other uh, parts of federal law. And they're going to get into that. And I thought it would be interesting... Since you had taken the time, you had seen it before me, and you were the, we're sort of of the same mindset of how this has been blown up into just a complete fraud on the American people. Uh, again, not saying people don't get sick, but the, the, the way they've blown this out of proportion, the businesses that have been killed, the lives that have been lost, 
And all of this makes this a very serious crime uh, by our government. And CDC, unfortunately, even though it's unconstitutional, is part of that government. Do you want to kind of comment on some of the things that you saw within this document? Yeah, the big takeaway that I got from it was uh, something you mentioned a few minutes ago, the whole the whole idea of the reporting of the deaths and not including the comorbidities. You know, that's been federal law for 17 years, how they how they regulate that. And it's always been that um, the, the primary cause of death would be listed on the front page and the secondary cause of death would be listed on the second page of yep. the death certificate. Any changes to that were supposed to be submitted to the federal register for a peer-reviewed process. So the, the recommended changes were supposed to be reviewed by other doctors and other health agencies and a 60-day commenting period that's supposed to be given by any federal agency when they attempt to uh, change change law, like the ATF does it with when they're ready to ban whatever they want to ban next, they give the, the, the public a 60-day commenting period. Well, that didn't happen. It wasn't submitted to the Federal Register, and there was no peer-reviewed process for this. They just took information from other health agencies. A lot of this information was based off of the health of the uh, the models that made everybody panic from the get-go. And another thing I got from this report is is they the, the CDC knew that the procedures that they were going to enact would 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 represent a false count because people were going to be being counted twice. They knew there was no provisions in their procedures to keep people from being counted twice or to keep the the number of probable cases opposed to real cases down. They knew all this and they went ahead and did it anyway without submitting it to the proper procedures. Yeah, I'm showing a couple of things from this report. November the 30th, 2019, the deadline passes for any federal agency to submit 60-day notice to Federal Register for proposed data collection submitted for public comment and recommendations that would enable the use of IHME projection data to inform the public and enact federal policy. Then again, we see on January the January the 24th, there was another um, date, that a deadline that passed for 60 days. Then in February... There was another deadline that passed. None of this, I mean, <clears throat> I'm thinking there was another one that I saw down in here as well. But over and over again, they missed these deadlines. And it was just like they said, oh, we don't care. Um, we, we This, you know, the law is, uh, who needs to follow the law? We don't need no stinking law here. We can just do whatever we want and even go out there and tell people that we're fudging the numbers I mean, I just played Dr. Deborah Burks saying they're fudging the numbers. Right. Tim, have you ever read uh, Cass Sunstein's book, Nudge? I've read parts of it. I haven't read the whole thing. Yeah, so I talk a lot about this in the book that I've got coming out shortly here. Uh, Cass Sunstein was Obama's regulatory affairs czar. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this book called Nudge, and it's about how to manipulate and push people's behavior in certain directions. And one of the big things that he keeps highlighting in this whole book is that people don't have the cognitive, cognitive abilities to pay attention. Now, this is their words, not mine. To pay attention to information that contradicts their their previously held beliefs. Mm-hmm. Okay? So one of the biggest problems that, that that's going on here is that this information is being released. And they simply know 
based off their studies of human behavior, that people are paying attention to it. Yeah. You know, so as long as people aren't paying attention to it, they're not, they're not going to care. And if you notice the CDC throughout the summer, they quietly released all this information. The CDC <laughs> yep. admitted, oh, yeah, yeah, hospitals have a financial incentive to label all these deaths as COVID. Sure they do. And in my opinion, that should have sparked an outrage, and that should have put an end to it all right there. But yet you still have the, the, a lot of the public still living in perpetual fear. Well, yeah, and, and let's give a let's let's give a little instance here. I want to show people. This is from the report that we're talking about. You'll see on the left side of the page is this test-based strategy. This is this is where they're using the PCR tests and stuff. And you have the symptom-based strategy, which is what they've used for what seventeen years now. And you'll see the differences right. here. The total recoveries in the test-based are like six hundred seventy-eight thousand, almost six hundred seventy-nine thousand. The total recoveries under the symptom base are like nearly 3.7 million recoveries. And so, and this is just between, let's see, the the one is the CDT, uh, CDC test base was from June 13th to June 16th, something like that. Uh, the other one is from Ju- July the 17th through August 20th. But the, but the point is, is... There was dramatic difference depending on which way they went. And using this PCR testing kind of stuff is exactly what Dr. Kerry Mullis, the developer of the PCR test, said you you shouldn't be doing this with this kind of thing. Let me let me let Kerry just say what he's what he said about this. All right? This is Dr. Kerry Mullis. How do they um, misuse PCR to estimate uh, all these so supposed free viral RNAs that may or may not be there. Uh, is this, um, I think misuse PCR is not quite. I don't think you can misuse PCR. No, the results, the interpretation of it. See, if you if you if you can say, if 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 they wanted, if if they could find this virus in you at all, and with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. It starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can mo- amplify one single molecule up to, a, to something that you can really measure, which BCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body, okay? So that could be thought of as a misuse of it just to, to claim that it's meaningful. The, the real misuse of it is, is that it, you don't need to test for HIV. You don't need to test for the other 10,000 retroviruses that are unnamed also in the subject. See, somebody that's got HIV generally is going to have almost anything that you can test for because they have definitely been... HIV is a fairly rare virus. See that? There's only 1 million of us out of 250, 300 million people in America that have that virus. So you have to get around. Either your mother had to have it and pass it to you or you have to really be paying a lot of attention to people that do have it and paying only attention to them and get a pretty good chance of getting it that way. It's hard to get it. But it, if you have it, there's a good chance you've also got a lot of other ones because you've been in the, in the market for them. It's been possible for you to get a lot of... It's, it's, it's a, to test for that one and say that has any special meaning is what I think is the problem. Not that PCR has been misused. It's like... It's not an estimation. No, it's a real. It's a really quantitative thing. It tells you something about nature and about what's there. But it, 
it, it allows you to take a very minuscule amount of anything and make it measurable and then talk about it in meetings and stuff like it is important. See, that, that, that's not a misuse. That's just sort of a misinterpretation. Even after all the these uh, uh, PCR, this quantitative PCR, that if you just get down to a basic virological count, it's still one in 1,000 to one in 10,000, uh, HIV in one to one in 1,000, one in 500 to one in 1,000 T cells. It, and it is. No, that, that, there's very little of what they call HIV, and what's been brought out here by Phil Pott and, and, and Isai already, the measurement for it is not is not exact at all. It's not it's not as good as our measurement for things like apples. An apple is an apple. You know, you can get something that's kind of like if you got enough things that look kind of like an apple and you stick them all together, you might think it as an apple. But and and HIV is like that. Those tests are all based on things that are invisible and they are the results are inferred in a sense. PCR is separate from that. It's just a process that's used to make a whole lot of something out of something. That's what also, it is. Um, it's, it's not, a whole lot it of something. It doesn't tell you that you're sick, and it doesn't tell you that the thing you ended up with really was going to hurt you or anything like that. That's what it's not. So even if you believe in HIV, it can't tell the difference between virus particles or active live virus. I mean, there's a lot of questions involved. Yeah, there there are. I mean, because what what are we hearing, David? I mean, this guy, he's here's the developer of the test. The test that all these people are getting, the, the test that ramped up all these cases, and I think John Rappaport was great when he said they're going to make the vaccine looks like it like it like it works. They're going to dial back all the cycles of the PCR test to make it look like not as many people are getting sick now. Uh, so they're they're manipulating a test. They're using that's why they're in my opinion that's why they went this route, and this goes back to something that we talked about last year, which was this. A decade-old Rockefeller document that contained lockstep, a world of tighter top-down right. government control and more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. And if you read this section, I'll have this up on the archive as well. If you read this section, they start talking. I mean, they they talk about pandemics. They talk about using that uh, as a means of uh, control, and they talk about China's government. Um, protecting its citizens. China does, isn't protecting its citizens. Anybody believes that, they've just lost their mind. They don't understand how the communist regime runs over there. Um, do you want to comment on that as far as what this testing is? Yeah, I know it was about an hour after oh, um, Biden was inaugurated, they changed the cycle count from yep. 45 to the recommended 30. Um, so that, that was something to take note of right off the bat. Um, I remember, do you remember last summer when I called you and, and said that our health department here was going to start adding probable cases yes. to the count so that, so that it would, uh, increase the count number. Yep. So if you, if, so I called my congressman and I think this is something that people need to pay attention to because I called my congressman and they told me that that wasn't a federal issue, right? And that they weren't going to do nothing about it. They knew it. Yep. They knew that they were doing that, yep. but they, they weren't going to touch it because it wasn't a federal issue. But if you read this report, yep. if you read this study, it talks about the CDC knowing that the issue of probable cases was going to um, give the higher appearance of higher case rates, right? Yeah, there's so a that whole... That makes it effective. 
Yeah, there's a whole section. This was one of the pages that um, I marked out because uh, it's good that you brought that up. This was one of the pages I was marking out. This is page seven of this report, which is a 3.1 basis for allegations that the CDC violated the law and it's federal law they're violating. And apparently whoever you told either doesn't know federal law or isn't interested in enforcing federal law, which we have a real problem with today. Yeah, and I, I think that's just what the, the key issue is, Tim, is I think I think everybody's on board with this. I think everybody knows to some degree or another which direction this is going, what the end goal is, and I think they're okay with it. I, I don't think – and even – and even if that isn't the case, you know, there, there's, there's techniques and there's procedures that they can use to discredit people. Look at how they discredited conservative ideology by telling everybody that it was conservatives that stormed the Capitol, right? Right. So they, so they, can, they, can, they can apply those type of techniques to individuals in the Congress and prevent them from acting out of a fear of being discredited or being seen as a radical, I guess, mm. is what you would say now. Yeah. Um, look, look what they're doing to that Marjorie. What's her name? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes. Yeah, they made her apologize in front of the whole Congress, and then they still went ahead, I think, and voted to punish her for believing in conspiracy theories. Yeah. If you look, if you look into um, communist strategy for behavior control, that that comes right out of it. There's a sure peer-reviewed study that talks about the um, Chinese brainwashing. It's in an actual psychological journal, hmm. and the um, technique of self-criticism is actually is actually used to bring people down and change and control their behavior. So, so even if, if if there was people in the Congress that wanted to do something about this, it would be very easy for 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 the powers that be to to discredit their ideology by making them appear uncompassionate and uncaring yep. and all that kind of stuff and it's a technique they've been using forever you know yeah you know and i <clears throat> i don't agree with all the stuff with uh, miss green but you know what to do what they did to her demonstrates exactly right. what you're talking about because I'll tell you what the lady got up the other day and really gave them down the road about their about their spending and what they were doing with uh stuff and I was like yeah that's right on I mean, that's right on what she's saying, right. and that's what they don't want. They don't, they don't want to hear from those new people who come in, who are fresh, who, are, who have been you know, living under their uh, unlaw, their tyranny, and speaking out against it. They, don't, they want to shut those people up. They want to get them out they, or, or sedate them or something. That's what they want to do. And uh, just for people yeah. to understand, David, um, you know, one of your specialties when you write is to show people how they do this manipulation, how they do this mind control, how they do this, how, how communists will come in and infiltrate and do certain things. And look, you were one calling it out even in the, in the previous administration, and some people didn't like you for doing it, but you were like, this is what they say, this is what they write. And you were right in line with uh, G. Edward Griffin when we had him on, and he talked about there is a peaceful revolution and there is a violent revolution. And he was pointing out basically both wings of the bird, if you will, about how that was being accomplished here in the state. So when you see something like this, I'm sure you're seeing this as one of those kinds, as a part of one of those kinds of revolutions, this, this uh, CDC report here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People, they have people, what, what, what people don't understand 
and I don't want to say people don't understand. I think people can understand mm. if, if they would if they would pay attention to it. But you know what what my keen interest is is studying what they know about human behavior. It was in the beginning when I first got into college. I was in psychology and social work. I had a, a, a genuine interest in helping people. But you know what happened to me there what I was exposed to, what I dealt with. So then now my, my interest is in studying what, what these people believe about human behavior, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you, they, they think we're stupid because they manipulate us. They frame our choices for us. They watch how we behave. Mm -hmm. They watch how we react to the things that they feed us to them. We're nothing but, and I'm going to use BF Skinner's words. Stimulus response organisms that that whose behavior is predicted based on our evolutionary behavioral traits, not of any will of our own. Mm. You know, and when you look at things from that perspective, and you and you watch news stories come out, or you you watch how you know you're being forced to make certain certain decisions it's all being manipulated and it's all being manipulated based on what they're learning about how we behave. Yep. You know, that's it. Yeah. It's the whole Pavlov's dog thing. Yep. That's exactly what yep. they're doing. And people don't, people don't, one thing about Pavlov's dog is that, and I, and I got this information from a, from a movie on YouTube called the bloody history of communism. Um, Pavlov was actually approached by the communists in the early days of the communist revolution and asked to apply those conditioning techniques to the Russian people. Right. And this is from that movie, the bloody history of communism. And, and I think, I think between the time I saw that movie and, and now I think I've, I've actually read some stuff about that too, but I wouldn't remember what the source was. Okay. Um, and he originally tried to resist that, but, you know, eventually he, he broke down and, and that's what was applied to the, to the people in Russia, you know, to uh, implement communism. Yeah. That's where they learned this. That's where they started learning all this, man. Yeah. David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of these things that they've got here of the allegations of the violation of the law. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find out more about you? Yeah, my website is defenseofournation.com and I'm on Facebook and Gab now. I'm on on Gab at David Rissolata in Facebook. It's just David Rissolata. Okay. All right. And David also contributes over at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We'll put up a link there since, uh, David, you took your time to, to join us this morning. We appreciate you, man. Uh, hey, no problem, man. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Okay. Take care. All right, there goes David, and uh, we appreciate David. And again, I'll have links up for David to if you if you're interested in David's writing. I'm telling you, uh, David has contributed to the sites I've run for many years now, and I think he's probably one of the best writers um, that we have as far as exp taking what goes on and saying this is how I know what's going on, or what's going to happen here because of this. And he goes back through the writings of these these communists and these socialists, and he'll show you exactly how things are going to play out. And he, it, I've yet to see him be wrong in the stuff he puts on. I'm not saying he's a prophet or something. I'm just saying he does like Edward Griffin says. He says, I go read what they say. I look at what they're implementing. That's it. And uh, so you can catch him there. We'll have that link up 
in the archives. Let me hit a couple of these because we're running out of time. And I do want you to see because, again, the title of the show is this this uh, institute is alleging that the CDC has violated federal law. So let's let's take a look at some of these things. Again, this is on page seven of the document, and there's several things. We're just not going to have time to get through all of them. But here are several things. Remember the IQA and the PRA. Those are the main ones here. This is what they write. The CDC's rules for data collection, published data, and statistical analysis are legally required to comply with the laws established by the Information Quality Act enacted by Congress in December 2000 as Section 515 of Public Law 106-554, which required the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB, to, quote, provide policy and procedural guidance to federal agencies to ins- for ensuring and maximizing the quality, obje- objectivity, utility, and integrity of information, including statistical information disseminates by federal agencies, and the Paperwork Reduction Act, which codified at 44 U.S.C. 3501, and uh, it goes on from there. Uh, They also said that the process by which the federal agency can propose changes in data collection, which, remember, they changed from one, they changed from the symptom to this testing, okay? And so they're saying the process by which any federal agency can propose changes in data collection, data publishing, and data analysis to ensure compliance is governed by 44 U.S.C. 3506C2A, which states... Except as provided under subparagraph or subsection or section, ugh, all this stuff is just too technical language to me. I just got to tell you, why can't you just say if you've got to do it, if you got to change something, you have to go see person A over here or whatever. They just don't talk in any real language that people can understand. Provide adequate notice when initiating, substantially modifying, or terminating significant information dissemination products. Now that's pretty self that's pretty straightforward, right? That's pretty straightforward here. We're concerned that the CDC has violated federal IQA and PRA law. Why? Because they didn't do this. They didn't notify any they just changed stuff. And they didn't um as we pointed out, I pointed out at least three occasions in the in this report here, they didn't meet the deadline, the 60-day deadline, to, to allow this to happen. So they were in violation of the law. Somebody's head ought to roll. Maybe this guy right here, um, excuse me, this guy right here should be the first guy whose head rolls. Dr. Robert R. Redfield, former head of the CDC under Trump. Okay? This guy. Because he was supposed to let them know these things. This was supposed to be done. And they didn't do it. And they gave bad information. And not only did people lose their lives, people lost their livelihoods. America went trillions of dollars in debt. A vaccine was rushed through that still has not been approved. It was approved by bureaucrats is what it was done, is what happened. 
And what happens? People have had really bad adverse effects to these vaccines, and some people have died from them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's not even a vaccine. It's an injection. It's a jab. I get it. All because people manipulated data, the CDC specifically. They manipulated the data. And it isn't just the CDC. You heard Dr. Deborah Burks. All those cats that were in the coronavirus task force should have known what was, they did know what was going on. They went out in front of you and told you. I just played Dr. Deborah Burks. Dr. Fauci knew it too. In addition to contributing money over several years to the Wuhan lab. You know, you can believe that it came from the Wuhan lab if you want to believe that. That's fine. I it doesn't really matter to me. The issue is that all of it's blown. It could come from Montana. I don't know. But the but the fact of the matter is it was blown up as something that it wasn't. That's the real issue. It was blown up into something that it was not. It was a deception. Now, who's the father of lies? And this is his children doing it. Okay? And I'm telling you, everybody on that coronavirus task force and Trump walking out there with them, they all had to know they changed the test. They had to know that the numbers were being pumped up. And the push, you know, I remember Donald Trump saying, well, we have higher numbers because we're doing more testing. Why do you need to test healthy people? I'm just, I just have a question about that. Why do you need to test healthy people? You don't. You don't. I mean, this is, the whole thing is absolutely surreal. Now, this is another part of um, where this, uh, this, this report goes to. And they start listing out all of the stuff. You can see what they did. And then they started showing the recovery rates here. Okay. Um, and this was compared to preceding weeks. Um, you guys be able to check this out who are listening by radio when we put it up on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And they list each instance where the CDC violated the law. And they just violated it. There, there's, no, there's no reason for them to do this except somebody's orchestrating it. You don't just make a big change like this without somebody orchestrating it for a particular reason. Okay? Now, let me take you over here. This is a um, medical kidnap. Now, we had the guy on from medical kidnap because... Um, well, actually, it isn't not from medical kidnap. They were covering the story of the gentleman we had on whose children were taken over there in Switzerland. And so I, you know, I had to go back and correct that, that he was not the guy who ran this, but I recognized the, the website here. This was the deaths and percentage of total deaths for the 10 leading causes of death in the United States, 2016 to 2017. Among those were diseases of heart, malignant, neoplasms, accidents, chronic lower respiratory diseases. You know, several things are listed here, okay? And it says there were 2,744,248 recorded deaths from all causes in 2016 and 
2,813,503 recorded deaths from all causes in 2017, according to the CDC. And if the alleged CDC numbers of, for deaths from all causes in the screen capture from December the 30th, 2020 is correct, which it should be, uh, with 2,902,664 on December the 30th, it is right in line with what we would expect without the additional deaths allegedly attributed to COVID-19. And you can see they've got a screen capture on here of what the deaths look like here in uh, 2020. Okay? Now, I decided to pull it up just for myself. Basically the same thing. 547,602 here. And this is uh, with COVID. This is just for the COVID ones. All deaths involving COVID-19, 370,871. This is for 2020. Deaths from all causes, 3,327,413. So when you add these together and you start adding pneumonia and uh, expected deaths and then deaths involving COVID-19 and pneumonia, all deaths involving influenza, deaths involving pneumonia, influenza, and covid you're you're pushing the same kind of numbers here that you would find previously. Look, here was the numbers that we read off. So the whole manipulation of everything is it's I don't want to use the term manufactured. I, I just I don't want to use that term. But it's almost like they manufactured a title and stuffed a bunch of stuff under it that normally occur that normally happen and said it was a new disease. And I told you when we had Dr. Kaufman on, Dr. Kaufman, this was months ago, said, I, I'm just not seeing any evidence of a new disease. Everything looks like it's just the same way it always happens. And I was kind of shocked because, I mean, I thought they were blowing some stuff up, but this was coming from a doctor who's looking at the stuff. Now here's this institute saying the same thing. And they're saying, look, it appears that the CDC violated federal law. So I have a question. What are they going to do to the CDC? They're going to find them? Give us some money. I mean, give us some of our money. Give some of the people's money back because the people are paying to fund the CDC unconstitutionally. Or are they going to actually take some people out? Like, the, the result of what they're doing has cost people their lives. Now it's costing them, some people, their liberty because they say, oh, you've got to wear a mask when you go get on the plane, when you go get on the bus. Ah. It's a tyranny, folks. It's got to be resisted. It's got to be exposed, and it's got to be resisted. You can expose the roaches to the light, but as soon as you turn the light out, if you don't kill the roaches, they're going to come right back. All right? We'll be back with you tomorrow, 8 a.m. Kate Shimrani and Dr. Kevin Corbett. See you.